Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. I'll tell you what, don't you just love this book? Don't you just absolutely love it, embrace it? The first the pastor that was here for so many years, Pastor Sam, I used to just watch him just fall in love with the Bible. He would sit on his porch and just say, this, this means so much to him. And he would take it, he would kiss it, he would hold it, embrace it. Then when he would walk down the street, I'll never forget the first time, one of the first times, you know, seeing him walking with a little dog, Peaches, I believe was the name, just walking down the street, and he would see me. I was in my car trying to go somewhere, and he would, I rode down a window because he stopped. I said, yeah, Brother Sam, what? Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing will offend them. Psalm 116, 165. Then he would turn and walk away. I wrote my window and go on my way. And sure enough, I look, open up my Bible, and that's exactly what it said. He just loved the Word of God. Just absolutely adored the Word of God, as we all should. I want to continue a study from last week, part two, of living to please God. And as I really meditated on this, there's nothing more important than for any individual person than to make a decision to live your life to please God. Can you say amen to that? God wants us all to live in such a way so as to honor Him and to please Him. And in these verses, if you weren't here, a quick review. Um, here in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, the Apostle Paul prayed for the church at Colossae. And here's what he said. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Well, Paul, what did you pray for? Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Well, why, Paul? Why? So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. Notice, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Look at his petition. He wanted them to be filled with this wisdom and understanding of the will of God so that they would live a life that would be fully pleasing to the Lord their God and be fruitful. Notice, to please Him and be fruitful in every good work. Should that not be every one of ours heart's desire to live to please Him and be fruitful as we live our lives upon the earth and increase in the knowledge of God. And we answer some questions as to why. Why should I want to live my life to please Him? First of all, because each and every one of us will face judgment day. And one day we'll have to give a full account of our lives before Him. So it says, Paul said, you should live to please Him because you're going to have to stand before Him give an account of your life one day. Then also, it's important to know that the most important reason is that we love Him. And we want to show Him how much we love Him by living to please Him. As Jesus said, I always do the things that please my Father. And the Father said, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Amen? And so we want to live for that reason. And then also uh, so that we can receive the benefits of pleasing Him. And what are they? Just one is this. Proverbs 16:7 says that when a man's ways please the Lord, He'll cause even his enemies to be at peace with Him. Anybody got any enemies out there? You please the Lord, He'll cause them to be at peace with you. He'll make, in other words, He'll make them your friends. Okay, what does it mean to please the Lord? It's an inward attitude of the heart. A heart that just loves God's Word, has respect for God's Word. And it's a heart that's trusting God 
Trust Him with all your heart, the Bible says. Learn to live by faith and walk by faith. All this is an inward working of the grace of God in our lives. And when He moves in, He wants us to know that He can be trusted. So He wants us to trust Him. And He wants us to discover what pleases Him in His Word and then live out our lives accordingly. That's why we study the Word of God. That's why I'm more of a teacher than a preacher. I want us to be taught the Word of God so we can know it and we can govern our lives by it. Amen? Amen? And then also, how? And I want you to look at Romans chapter 8. This is 4 through 8. This is from the Good News Translation. How? By becoming spiritually minded. You know, every single day we have an option. We can either be spiritually minded or carnal minded. You realize that? Okay, look at what he said. God did this so that the righteous demands of the law might be fully satisfied in us who live according to the Spirit and not according to human nature. Those who live as their human nature tells them to have their minds controlled by what human nature wants. Those who live as the Spirit tells them to have their minds controlled by what the Spirit wants. To be controlled by human nature results in death. To be controlled by the Spirit results in life and peace. And so people become enemies of God when they are controlled by their human nature for they do not obey God's law and in fact they cannot obey it. Those who obey their human nature, notice, cannot please God. You, you know Hebrews eleven six says, without faith we can't what? Please God. But did you see this here also? That if we allow our human nature to control us, this human man on the outside, we can't please God. And so we want to be spiritually minded. So with that as a review, let's continue Ephesians chapter 5. And beginning at verse 8, this is again from the uh, Good News translation of the Bible. For, for yourselves used to be in the darkness. Were you ever there? We were all there, weren't we? But since you have become the Lord's people, you are in the light. Aren't you glad to be in the light? Amen. Hallelujah. So you must now notice, live like people who belong to the light. Or it is the light that brings uh, the rich harvest of every kind of goodness. Notice, be fruitful. This is a harvest of every kind of goodness, righteousness, and truth. Notice this. Try to learn what pleases the Lord. We don't, in other words, we don't just read a chapter to say, I've read a chapter today. We read it to find out what pleases the Lord. And then you say, I'm going to adopt that into my life. If he says, do unto others as I would have others to do unto me, then I want to make sure I live that way. Okay, look in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, 12 and 13. This is from the Amplified. This is the classic version of the Amplified Bible. Therefore, my dear ones, as you have always obeyed my suggestions, so now, not only with the enthusiasm you would show in my presence, but much more because I'm absent, notice these two words, work out. Everybody say work out. Now notice this, cultivate, carry out to the goal. See, there's a goal. And fully complete your own salvation with reverence and awe and trembling, self-distrust, with serious caution, tenderness of conscience, watchfulness against temptation, timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of the church. Not in your uh, name of Christ, not in your own strength, notice this, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire, both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. Another translation says, what is pleasing in his sight. So here Paul the Apostle once again is writing to the church of Philippi and he's letting them know God wants to work 
He is at work in you. And there's something that needs to be worked out of you. But we're going to start with the word work. So first of all, the word work. Everybody likes to hear that word, right? Uh, you're a little bit down this morning. Well, i got to go to work. You're not excited about going to work? No, not really. Why? What would you rather do? Go fishing? Uh, yeah. Well, isn't that work too? It requires a lot? Uh, not really. I love it. So it's not really work. So if you enjoy it, then it's not really work. But if you, you know, don't enjoy it, it might be work. You really want me to do that? What is work? What is it? Is it not applying yourself spiritually, emotionally, physically, sometimes in an effort to expend energy to accomplish a goal or a purpose? Is it not? Exhibiting yourself, directing that energy and that power to achieve something and to succeed in something? In other words, life is all about work, is it not? We have to work. Well, notice he's talking about work. Now, as far as the subject is concerned, it could be any subject, but it requires work. For example, when someone says, I'm working on my marriage, what does that mean? It could mean many different things. I've got a great marriage, but I'm working on it because I want it to be even better. I'm applying myself with time, effort, and energy to see to it that uh, it, it continues to become better and better. But then, what about your yard? Maybe yard work. Anybody here like yard work? A lot of you like yard work. I'm going to give you a challenge. When I lived in Chippewa, I lived next to a family, and their yard was meticulous. When I say meticulous, meticulous. That's the only way I can say it. Well, let me describe it, though. He was so hardworking and meticulous on this yard of his, that if, and this is the fall time, one leaf fell on the grass, I pity it. He would run out, pick it up, and dispose of it properly. And I thought, wow, this man is really committed to his yard. He works, and I've watched him day and night. Everything was beautiful. The lawn was just perfect green. Not one, could there be one weed, because if there was one weed, I would pity it. Well, one day I thought, this is great, until I saw the extreme. When I saw him climb up his tree with his vacuum pack on his back and suctioned the leaves off the tree before they hit the ground, came down, walked over. He had bushes along our property line and he looked over at my tree that still had leaves on it and did this. And I thought, Whoa. Oh my. Now that's committed. I felt bad for my tree. <laughs> and I did my best to pick up all my leaves. You know, I won't even go there any further. I just better stop right there. But would you say that takes a lot of work to make your yard look meticulous like that? It could be your tennis game. It, you don't get better just by sitting at home, putting on your TV and watching tennis matches on TV. It takes work, effort, and energy, does it not? Well, what's the subject that he's talking about here? What's Paul talking about? Work out your own salvation. It's salvation. And he's talking about salvation. Wait a minute. And work? Do they really go together? Time, effort, and energy when it comes to salvation? I thought we're saved by grace through faith. Well, we are. But I want to see this next point. Look at the book of Ephesians in chapter 2 and verse 8. Notice 
We said to say the word, work out. Work out. Everybody say again, work out. Okay, notice, notice I didn't say work in yet. We said work out, okay? Because you can't work for your salvation. That's an impossibility. When the disciples asked Jesus who then can be saved, he said, man, this is what? Impossible. Man cannot save himself. There's nothing you can do or I can do to save ourselves. We could have never saved ourselves. So we're not talking about working in. We're talking about working out. So it's not working for salvation, but we're talking about works after salvation. So look at what it says. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's, I love this word, say with me, I'm God's masterpiece. You know, he's not talking about what you look like in the mirror. He's talking about what you look like inside your spirit. Say it again, I'm God's masterpiece. Hallelujah. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do. Notice, so we can do. Everybody say do. See, he created us anew in Christ Jesus. Why? New creatures in Christ so that we can do. Do what? Do good things that he planned for us long ago. And that's from the New Living Translation. So he's talking about working out our salvation, doing things. Look at the book of Galatians in chapter 5. He's saying that he wants us to allow what God has done in us to get to the outside of us. That's what he's referring to. And that takes, what's the word? Work. It takes work. Okay, and we already said that if we walk in the flesh, we can't please God. But if we walk in the spirit, we can and will please God, right? Okay, so this I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the, of the flesh are manifest, which are these... He names them adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I've told you in the past, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, now notice, bearing fruit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, uh, goodness and faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ. Are you Christ this morning? Yeah. Are you Christ this morning? Yeah. Cater to their flesh. Yeah. No. They have what? Crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also what? Walk in the Spirit. In other words, get it from the inside manifesting in the outside in our conduct, our character, our behavior, our attitudes, and so on and so forth. Now, if you weren't here on Wednesday night, then you haven't got these last two messages that I taught on fruit bearing, uh, which produces the abundant life that we all have. But I thought it would be necessary to share this at this point with you uh, and really recommend that you get the, the CDs because they're, they're very important uh, to having uh, the kind of life that God wants us to have. Uh, and we'll see that in a minute when we read John's Gospel. But first of all, here's the, here's the process. It starts with reading. Because reading, by reading, we know. And then, by knowing, by knowing, we love. You can't love someone that you don't know. By reading, we get to know God. By knowing, we love. By loving, we obey. If you abide in my love, 
you will obey and keep my commandments. Okay, by obeying, we abide. And by abiding, we bear fruit. And by fruit bearing, what do we do? We please God. Now let's read it in that context and understand this, what Jesus said here. John's Gospel, chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word, or purged, which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. Why? As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. So fruit bearing requires what? Abiding. Except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. Stop right there just for a moment. Adam and Eve severed themselves from the vine, so to speak, when they made a decision to partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when they partook of that tree, they stopped bearing fruit unrighteousness, of righteousness. And as a result, they gave birth to Cain and Abel. And rather than perpetuating the life of God that was in them, the glory of God that was in them, the power and authority of God that was on them, they gave birth to what? Or they produced what? Or they, you can say, you can say bear fruit. They bore fruit. Cain and Abel, you can say one is good, one is evil. One is righteous, one is unrighteous, one is just, one is unjust. And, you know, Cain killed Abel. And so, in other words, instead of passing on through lineage the life and nature and the ability and power and the glory of God, the authority of God to exercise dominion over all the earth, what did they do? They brought into this realm the knowledge of good and evil and opened up the door to all kinds of evils that we experience in this life today. So I am the vine. Now Jesus says, now look, I've come to restore this relationship with God, the Father. I'm the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same does what? Brings forth much fruit. Fruit bearing is dependent on abiding. For without me, you can do what? Absolutely nothing. If a, man, if a man abide not in me, he's cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Here it is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall be my disciples. So in the teaching we go along and talk about every one of those steps. So if we abide in him, we are going to have a productive life. We're going to be fruit bearing life. And then the key to abiding is obeying. If we obey Him, we abide in His love. The key to obeying is loving. You see, we can, we can obey for, we talked about three different reasons. We can obey because of what? I obey because I am forced to. We, that's called fear-based obedience. You keep the law, you don't want to get a speeding ticket. That's why. Okay? But if you had your way, you might go faster. But then there's a need out of need. You need something. And so because you need something, you obey. You obey your parents, your, or for example. Or if you really want the car this weekend, and your dad says to wash it, and if you take out the garbage, you can have the keys to the car. Like a flash. Boom. Car's clean, garbage is out. Right? That was need-based, wasn't it? But who, who knows? Maybe the next day you say, son, would you wash the car again and take the garbage out? I'll get to it. Maybe next week. No enthusiasm because it wasn't need-based. See, there's a difference between, you know, fear-based and need-based. Guess what God's looking for? Guess what Jesus is looking for? Love-based obedience. If you love me, keep my commandments. 
If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And what I'm saying to you comes from the Father. So can you see how, that's, how that progresses? And then what's the key to loving? Is knowing. If I know him, I'm going to love him. Because I know what he's done for me. And what's the key to knowing? Reading the Bible and finding out this love letter that was written to us. How much he cares and how much he loves us. And that starts the whole thing, the whole process going. Okay, as we continue, look in uh, Philippians chapter 2. Our salvation is to be worked out how? With fear and trembling. Now this is talking about reverence and respect for God. In other words, if you work hard on your tennis game, that's wonderful. If you work hard on your golf game, that's wonderful. If you work hard on your yard work, that's wonderful. If you work hard keeping your house clean, that's wonderful as well. And every one of those things require a lot of effort. If you're working on your, let's say, your master's degree, that's a wonderful thing. It requires a lot of hard work, effort, and energy. I don't believe you're going to sit back and just get all A's just because you sat back and did nothing. You worked hard at it. Well, notice he's talking about us working out our salvation Requires time, effort, and energy. Focus and direction. Therefore, my dear ones, this is the Amplified Version, as you have always obeyed my suggestions, so now, not only with the enthusiasm what you would show in my presence, but much more because I am absent. Notice, work out. Work out. Cultivate. Carry out to the goal. To achieve the goal. That's the whole purpose of work. You, you expend effort and energy to achieve a goal. Work out. This is the goal. Cultivate. Carry out to the goal. Fully complete your own salvation with reverence and awe and trembling. Self-distrust with serious caution. Look at all those words. Oh my goodness. Tenderness of conscience. Watchfulness against temptation. Timothy shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. Now, as he says that, can we relate to that? It's not just, I'm saved, thank God I'm saved, and we live in the day of grace. It doesn't really matter how I live from this point on. Yes, it does matter how we live from that point on. Because you see, He did a work in us so that the work can become part of us and manifest out of us. Look at the next verse in Second Peter chapter 1. And again, this is a part of that other series, which I believe, I'm believing that this is helping us set the stage for the greater move of God's glory in our midst. I really do. I believe it's going to help us because you know what? He enters into pure holy temples, does he not? That's what he's longing for. Look at what he said here. By means of these, he has bestowed on us his precious and exceeding great promises so that through them, you might escape by flight, run from what? The moral decay their rottenness and corruption that is in the world because of covetousness, lust, and greed, and become sharers, partakers of the divine nature. For this very reason, now notice, adding to your diligence to the divine promises, employ every effort. We use the word effort. When it comes to work, we're talking about effort, energy, exertion. In exercising your faith to develop, see, not pulling leaves off of trees, not pulling dandelions or weeds out of the grass, but we're exercising ourselves in faith to develop virtue, excellence, moral excellence, resolution, Christian energy, and in exercising virtue, develop knowledge, intelligence in the things of God, and in exercising knowledge, develop self-control, in exercising self-control, develop steadfastness, patience, endurance, and in exercising steadfastness, develop godliness, piety, and in exercising godliness, develop brotherly affection. 
and in exercising brotherly affection, develop Christian love. For as these qualities are yours and increasingly abound in you, they will keep you from being idle or unfruitful. Remember Paul prayed for them to fully please God and be fruitful? Unfruitful unto the full personal knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. For whoever lacks these qualities is blind, spiritually short-sighted, seeing only what is near to him, and has become obvious to the fact that he was cleansed from his old sins. Because of this, brethren, be all the more solicitous and eager to make sure, to ratify, to strengthen, to make steadfast your calling and election. For if you do this, you will never stumble or fall. That's a lot that Peter said there, but Peter's agreeing with, with Paul that once we're saved, it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. We've got to get what's on the inside to the outside, and that's called labor. That's called work. That's called effort and energy. You know, I forgot to dismiss our youth. If you need to be dismissed, you can be dismissed. I got caught up with the pizza and the pasta. I don't know. It might be. Okay, so you realize that the Bible says that when you got saved, God took a deposit of His glory and put it in your spirit, the divine nature. You are reconciled to God and you have a life of God on the inside of you right now. And He says, look, you're a tripart being spirit, soul, and body. It's on the inside, but I want to get to the outside. Look at the next point there, point three. Now notice this, work in. It is God who is working in you. Do you realize that right at this moment, right here, right now, at the sound of my voice, God is working in each and every one of our lives. Yeah. Every one of us. Actively, not passively, He is actively on the inside of us working. And so, why should we spend time, effort, and energy in, in getting this on the inside to the outside? Because the Creator of the universe... The one who made all the heavens and the earth and all the sea and all that in them is. This awesome, great, mighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, loving God made an investment in each and every one of us by sending His Son from heaven to come to this earth and to do what was necessary to be done to undo the works of the devil and overcome that and reconcile us by the blood of His Son so He can invest in each and every one of us and He has moved into your heart and He's not pleased with the universe. He's pleased with you becoming His Son, His masterpiece. His daughter, his child, that is what he's interested in. He's interested in each and every one of us becoming the person that he wants us to be. Now, salvation incorporates all triparts of man and all three tenses. Past, present, and future. Past. Have you been saved by grace through faith? You have. Past. Say it with me, I was saved. Okay. Now, secondly, present. I'm being saved. What do you mean by that? Well, my spirit got saved. It's already saved. But my soul is being restored. James said, we need the word of God that will do what? Deliver us from our corrupt reasoning faculties. Our reasoning faculties need saved. So the mind renewal is the daily salvation that we experience. This mind needs renewed day by day. We present it to God for, for renewing every single day. He restores my soul. And the future, you have a body. 
And your body's not glorified yet, and neither is mine. But it will be someday. We call that being saved. Your body will be saved because it's glorified. Your mind will be completely renewed when you and I leave this realm of seeing through a glass darkly, and we see face to face with Jesus. Amen? And we know all things. So we could see I was saved. I am being saved. Because you see, I don't think the way God wants me to think all the time. How about you? Do you? We would never know how to think unless God gave us His Word to correct our thinking. And so then we start thinking the way God wants us to think as we renew our minds. So my mind's being saved from its corrupt reasoning faculties that came from Adam and Eve from the very beginning. And this body of mind, praise God, one day, one day will be glorified to be like unto His. Amen. That is the fullness of our salvation, which is why the whole earth is groaning and crying out to be redeemed and delivered from the curse that's upon it. Amen. Amen. Look at, uh, once again, in the book of Philippians, chapter 1 and verse 6. This is from the New Living Translation. And I am certain that God, who began the good work where? Within you, will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. You know what that means? No matter what, what path you have taken, no matter what road you're on, what direction you've gone, you might even be walking away from God. But I want you to, I want you to know something right now. God has not stopped working with you. God, by His Spirit, has His hand upon you, and He will not let you stray too far. He'll see to it that He orchestrates events, even certain people across the path of your life to come to you to let you know, hey, let's walk with God. Hey, let's serve God. Let's get back and to do it the way God wants it to be done. Can you say amen? See, He's not letting us go. We're too, too valuable, so, so precious in His sight that He's not going to let us go off and wander off without pulling us back by His Spirit. Amen? Aren't you glad for that? Now, now let's go to Philippians 2.13. Once again, we've read it before, but I want you to see this latter part once again. Um, because this is really what his good pleasure is all about. This is what pleases him. For God is working where? In you. Giving you the desire or the will and the power or the ability or divine enablement to do what pleases him. Did you get that? See, it's not even about us. God is at work in every single one of us. And what is He doing in there? He is creating the desire, the want to, the will within us to do what? What pleases Him. But not only does He provide the will, the desire, He also provides the energy, the ability, the divine enablement to carry out the task. That's why when 38 years ago I said to the Lord, I, I said to my pastor at that time, when he said, would you like to go pastor that church down there? And I said, no, 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 no. God had to speak to me in audible voice to do something like that. I'm not, I'm not prepared for that. I'm not equipped for that. I'm not, as far as I'm concerned, uh, skilled enough to do something like that. That's not me. I'm not, that's just not me. Well, when he spoke to me in an audible voice on the way down here and stunned me and just shook me from the inside out, all I could do is depend on his ability and his power. And I said, okay, I'll go do it. Because you said in an audible voice, he said, you will be the next pastor of that church. And I said, oh, okay. But you see, when he calls us, he equips us. He anoints us. He empowers us. He enables us. We're not lone rangers. We're not out there trying to do it by ourselves. He's at work. Say with me, he's at work in me. I am his masterpiece. He's at work in me. 
carrying out His good pleasure and His will for my life. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. So, it's almost unfathomable when you think of it this way, but He who created the universe, all the stars of light, who knows them by their names, He that set in motion everything that's even being created right now, because we understand the galaxies are still being created and so on and so forth. And here we are upon the face of this earth, and we think we're sitting still, but we're really not. We're traveling. We're traveling at a high rate of speed. We're rotating at a high rate of speed and so on and so forth. But yet this God is so concerned about every single one of us. He knows where we're at. He knows our hearts. He knows our minds. He has a great plan for us that's for good, not for evil, to give us a future, to give us a hope. And His plan is so wonderful. It's beyond our imagination. It's so important to Him that He sent His Son to die for us, to make it a reality in our lives. And you know what I'm saying that? The devil has a plan for lives too. It's not for good. It's for evil. Not to give a future hope, but future despair and eternal destruction. Amen? So, I want God's plan, not my plan, not the devil's plan. I want God's plan for my life to live for Him, a life that pleases Him. So, if I gave Him my heart, did you give Him your heart? Did you give Him your spirit? Is He living inside your heart right now? Why not give Him your soul too and say, I want to stop thinking this way. I don't want to think this way any longer. I want to think the way you want me to think. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Your ways are higher than my ways. Help me. And how am I going to learn His thoughts and His ways? He gave us His Word so we can read it, so we can know, so we can love, so we can obey, so that we can abide, and so that we can bear fruit, praise God, and please our Heavenly Father by the way we live our lives upon this earth. That's how we become productive, fruit-bearing branches in the vine. Hallelujah. I remember Brother um, Wigglesworth one time was in a situation. If you don't know Smith Wigglesworth, read about him. He raised so many people from the dead. We've lost count. We don't know how many is right. 13, 15, 20. I heard 23 from the dead. And he got together with some other ministers. And as they gathered together in this room, he said um, they wanted, listen, they wanted the, the glory. They wanted the glory of God to manifest among them. And Wigglesworth prayed. And as he began to pray, they said, all of a sudden, the mist and the cloud of God's glory just began to envelop the whole place where all these ministers were. He says, as it began to thicken, and as the glory began to fall, one by one, every minister left the room because they could not stand the glory. But Wigglesworth just stood there soaking it all in, loving it so much. Because you see, he had a dedicated life. He had a set-apart life. He had a life that was so in tune with Almighty God that he could stay in that presence of God's glory and not buckle under the pressure of the power. Uh, and how did he get that way? It's a marvelous thing if you ever studied his life. He didn't know how to read. He was a plumber. He didn't know how to read. And God taught him to read only the Bible. And he, he read the Bible. And if you came to his apartment or his house and you brought a newspaper... He politely would ask you, leave that outside. That's only half-truth. I got the whole truth. So why should I want half-truth when I've got the whole truth? I'm going to look at the Word of God. And they said he would always carry a, a New Testament in his pocket. If he had breakfast, no matter who was there with him, when he got done with breakfast, he said, we fed our physical man. 
let's read a verse of scripture and feed our spiritual man. And he would read a verse of scripture and say, now isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful we can feed on that? So you see, we're asking for glory. But what are we asking for? We're asking for him to burn the chaff from our lives. Get rid of the things that minimize his activity among us. So he can just live in our hearts and reign supreme in our lives and give us the abundant life that he's called us to. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound. And through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you, and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and I'll accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.